evening, Hampton Roads, North Carolina, internet listeners all over the world. Welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're tuned into WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I'm your host, Bishop Hodges, and this is the broadcast where we break down and discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. As a friendly reminder, God designed and instituted marriage and the family to build society on. Unfortunately, sin entered the picture and warped God's original design. The mission of Marriage and Family Clinic is to restore, build, strengthen, and perfect marriage and family relationships. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I ended the broadcast uh, with a short commentary on the subject of abortion. And this is a deep and serious subject one that should not be taken lightly whatsoever. It deserves a lot of attention. It deserves a lot of heart. And we need to give it the attention and the comprehensive review that it deserves. Uh, it deserves quality time, quality attention from every one of us, no matter what side of the fence you come down on. And I want to touch on the subject of abortion a little bit tonight. And like last time, by the time I'm done, I know that uh, we may still have just as many for abortion and just as many against abortion by the time that I'm done as we did when we started. But I feel strongly about sharing some views and information with you. And, uh, and believe me that tonight is not about trying to win you to one side or the other, but I do have an important point that I do want to discuss. But before we get to the discussion, as always, I start with a working definition when we discuss common words, because common words don't always have a common meaning. Uh, so to keep us tracking together, to keep us on the same track, and so that we have uh, the same understanding, I want to give you a working definition of abortion. Abortion is simply ending a pregnancy by removing a baby from the womb and thus ending the baby's life. Ending the pregnancy by removing a baby from the womb and thus ending the baby's life. And I'm going to leave it that general and that broad because the baby may be removed by uh, several means and several processes. But that's basically what an abortion is. Uh, this is important because in 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that a Texas law that banned abortion, except in the case to save a mother's life, was unconstitutional. Yep, that's what Roe versus Wade is all about. That's the U.S. Supreme Court ruling on a Texas law. There was a Texas law that banned abortion. And the Supreme Court says, well, banning abortion is unconstitutional, uh, except in the case to save a mother's life. And that ruling, in effect, said that a woman has the constitutional right to an abortion. A woman has the constitutional right to end her pregnancy, even at the cost of the baby's life. That's what abortion means. That's what abortion on demand means. And that gave rise to the term abortion on demand. Now, again, my purpose tonight in tonight's broadcast is not to convince anyone one way or the other about abortion. Uh, as I already stated, by the time I'm done in these short 30 minutes, you, it may not change your mind. It probably won't. But my purpose tonight is to speak to some women who have had an abortion. 
you may be listening or you may know a, a young lady or, or whatever, she's had an abortion. And I want to help you form uh, a, a strategy, form a heart, form a mind, form a process, form a means of counseling with and speaking with and encouraging a woman who has had an abortion. Uh, and for my purpose tonight, I also want to include some women who have had miscarriages. That That is a form of abortion also, the miscarriage. And let me make it clear, though, I will not waver. I want to deal with these women, and I want to help some women, or possibly some men also, who've experienced an abortion with a woman. It was not their body, anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But a loss is a loss, and a loss impacts those who experience the loss to some degree. And so while we're including miscarriage, I want to make it clear that I will not waver from what I know to be the truth. And that is a baby is always a blessing from God, no matter how he or she gets here. That baby is a blessing from God. But I want to speak tonight to you, uh, woman, or because I just believe in my heart. That while that baby was growing in your womb, you felt that baby kick. You saw your abdomen roll around as the baby moved. You were amazed at what you were experiencing. You saw and you felt the difference and the changes in your body. You instinctively wrapped your hand around your abdomen uh, when you're out in public at the grocery store at the mall. You instinctively covered your baby, your womb, with your arm and your hand as if to protect that child. You did this. You knew that that was a baby. You may have gone through with the abortion, but you knew that was a baby. Everything within you told you that was a baby. All that is natural said that was a baby. And I want to talk to you tonight because since all that is true, I can't help but imagine you have to have felt something indescribable after the abortion. My imagination, my mind tells me that your experience was extremely painful, emotionally traumatizing. It even laid a heavy burden on you. And I want to tell you tonight that you can be forgiven. The burden can be lifted. You can live a full life without guilt, without shame, without any of that. Love and life will find a way and love and life will find a way for you. Now, before you jump on me, I know that I may not be speaking to every woman that's had an abortion. Some women take joy in the fact that they've had an abortion. Some women may take pride in the fact that they can do what they want to with their body. So I may not be speaking to every woman that's had an abortion, but I know I know good and well that I'm talking to more than just one who has had an abortion. There may be some women who have had an abortion and didn't feel anything like I'm describing. You're probably in the minority, but I know there are a good number who felt what I'm describing right now and multiply that by a hundred or a thousand times. You're the one. You're the few I want to talk to tonight. There's that young lady. She was in high school. 
She was a high achieving student. She had plans to attend college. She wanted to pursue higher education. She made all of these wonderful plans and she may have even had scholarship offers. She dreamed of a career. She dreamed of shooting for the sun and reaching the stars or the moon. She had these high and lofty dreams. Then one night, she and a young man gave in to their passions, had sexual intercourse, and she got pregnant. Or there's the teenage daughter of one of the city's high profile pastors. She sings in the church choir. She's active in missions work. She's gone on foreign mission to a third world country. She's been so fulfilled by that mission work. She even teaches children in Sunday school. She attends church faithfully. She's always standing beside her dad and her mom in church. All the members of the church, members around town, they know this family as a, a, a tight, knitted, unique family, one who serves God, one who believes in God, who lives a life of virtue. But one night, she and a young man gave into their passion, had sexual intercourse, and she got pregnant. There are so many different scenarios that we could come up with. Uh, so many different scenarios that I could use to describe this, but they would all lead and converge at one point. The young lady gets pregnant. And I'm not leaving out the responsibility of the young man. That's not where I'm going tonight. Please stay with me. But no matter how many scenarios we paint, no matter how many vignettes we talk about, uh, they all lead and converge at one point. The young lady gets pregnant. Think about that. Here's a young lady with the world ahead of her. Here's a young lady, the sky is the limit. Here's a young lady with dreams and aspirations. Here's a young lady who maybe have younger siblings who look up to her. Here's a young lady who wants to please her mom and her dad. Here's a young lady whose mom and dad, if she has one, may be her hero. hero. Here's a young lady. I can't imagine the stress, the strain, the pressure that either of these young ladies would come under. I, ju I just can't imagine what type of pressure that they would be under. Both are probably the apple of their daddy's eye, daddy's girls. And you know, let, let's go ahead and assume that both of them have been raised with traditional values that frown upon premarital sex. Now, how do you go home and tell your mother and your father, if both of them happen to be home, but how do you go home and tell your parents, mom, dad, I'm pregnant. As a high school teenage young lady with aspirations and dreams, I'm pregnant. Can you imagine the burden of knowing that you will bring such disappointment to the lives of your parents? Can you imagine how lonely she must feel? I even hear the young ladies asking in my mind, how can I face them? What will my family think of me? What will the community think of my parents? What about my dreams? How will I make it? What will I do with a baby? I'm barely a baby myself. I have to do something. And after thinking about it, 
after laboring over it, after carrying this burden for some period of time, both of these young ladies decide to take the path of least resistance. They decide to get an abortion. To them, they believe the myth that it's a quick and simple process. They believe the myth that an abortion is just getting rid of a blob of tissue. They believe these and other myths. They believe they can get an abortion, maybe probably on the way home from school one day. The parents, their family, nobody in town, nobody in church, nobody else will ever know. They believe these myths. So they get the abortions. And somehow in their minds and hearts, they recognize that this was a life. My baby is gone. And now their hearts are filled with guilt, filled with shame. They took a life and they know it. They have this deep secret they can't tell anybody about. You know, this, this is not as far-fetched as it sounds tonight. Something similar to this happens millions and millions of times a year. And I'm not exaggerating because the number of abortions is nearing 50 million a year. So I know there's at least five or 10% of those abortions that fit the categories I'm describing. What in the world will they do? These young ladies who go through this, whatever their rationale may be, those are precious souls that need healing. They're not numbers. And they're certainly not pawns to be tossed around in the political debate over abortion. They're souls. Every woman who has an abortion is a soul. And every single soul belongs to God. The soul of the born as well as the soul of the unborn baby. Every single soul belongs to God. And God cares about and loves every single soul. My. I hope you're bearing with me on tonight. I hope you're listening carefully. I hope you're painting this picture in your mind. Because these souls are going to need our love, our compassion, our help in order to be healed in their hearts, restored in their minds, and their lives made whole. Let me pause for just a moment and remind you that you're listening to Marriage and Family Clinic tonight. We're broadcasting here on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial here in Hampton Roads, Virginia. You can also listen to us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. Write me on Facebook, email me. My email is cdhodges at hotmail.com. Look me up on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. Find me. Send me a line. Let me know you're feeling me tonight. Let me know you hear me. Let me know whether or not you agree, you disagree. Give me some of your wisdom. And if there's anybody out there who's dealt with a family member, a friend, or a loved one, or a spouse, sister, or whatever the case may be, if you've dealt with them and they've had an abortion, I would love for you to contact me one way or another and let me know about your experience. Let me know how you dealt with it. All right. These young ladies, whatever their rationale was, they're souls that need healing. They belong to God. If there weren't any health-related complications, 
thank God that they're physically okay. But emotionally and psychologically, that's another story. And I would love to ask these young ladies, how are you feeling right now? When it comes to the point of helping them, I want to go into how to help now. I want to go into how to come along beside them and be a comfort to them. I want to go into now how to come along beside them, how to grab them by the hand and walk them through this experience. I want to lead you through that path right now. They don't need your judgment. They need healing. They need wholeness. They need support. And I would love to ask them, the first thing I would ask is, how are you feeling right now? Because in my mind, I imagine that they're still feeling burdened by their choice. The burden is heavy. And they have to be stuck in some valley of indecision, some limbo state where they're having difficulty figuring their way out. So how are you feeling right now? She's still carrying this secret and it's probably like a knot in her stomach. It gets her twisted. Every time she looks at her mom and dad, it gets her twisted. How are you feeling right now? And that leads to inquiring about how, how she's coping with her pains. What, so, so my next question would be, what do you do on a daily basis to deal with it? How are you dealing with it? Because I fully expect that the pain is significant. Her heart is broken. And again, there's the pain of carrying this secret. It hurts to carry a secret. It disrupts your life to carry a secret. It distracts you from your purpose. It distracts you from your goals to carry a secret. It makes you itchy, jerky to carry a secret. So how are you dealing with the pain? Are you using drugs? Is alcohol involved? Because those are definite possibilities as they try to find some way to ease the pain of this experience. They found out, they may find out that they can numb the pain temporarily at least by using drugs or alcohol. It's not a time to judge either. Want to know how these young ladies are doing. Because she now realizes the full scope of what has happened in the abortion event, I imagine the guilt is strong and there are two thoughts that will weigh heavy on her heart. There are at least two thoughts. And again, I realize I'm not talking to everybody. But believe me, I'm not over-exaggerating. I'm not over-dramatizing it. I'm not being melodramatic. I'm describing what I believe to be the real psychological and emotional state and condition of a young lady who's had an abortion and has realized that she did take a life. Two questions are going to come up. The first question is going to be, how can my parents ever forgive me? My family, loved ones, friends. How can they ever forgive me? And the second all important question that comes up is probably going to be, how can God ever forgive me? Because she's going to feel like since she took that life without cause, since she took that life and that baby is gone, then God probably holds something against me. And how can God ever forgive me for what I have done? She's going to have an extremely difficult time believing that God will forgive. If she believes it at all. 
how can God ever forgive me? And if she believes that God cannot forgive her, how can she ever arrive at a place of forgiving herself? Hmm. Touch on that in a little bit. Helping these young ladies means embarking on a journey to forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. That means if I'm going to help these young ladies forgive, be forgiven by God, enjoy the forgiveness of their families, and get around to forgiving themselves, if I'm going to help them heal, if I'm going to come alongside them and walk them through this experience and help them be whole, become whole, that means it's extremely critical that I have this strong desire. I'm going to have to listen to whatever it is in their heart to help her process what she's going through. Whatever it is she's going through, she's, she needs this place. She needs this safe place to talk about it. And so I'm going to encourage her to talk about it, encourage her to share her feelings, encourage her to be honest about her feelings and just be there for her. And I want to validate her feelings and stay away from any condemning language. I'm talking about how to help them now. Stay away from any condemning language. The last thing I need to be doing is reminding these ladies, young ladies, middle-aged ladies, whatever the case may be. The last thing I need to be doing is reminding them that they, they were wrong. What they did is wrong. She doesn't need help feeling bad. She doesn't need help feeling guilty. She doesn't need help feeling shame. She needs help healing. And if you know someone who's had an abortion... You loving them is supposed to help them heal. And abortion can be extremely traumatizing. Some women replay the event over and over in their minds, suffering some of the same effects as PTSD. To deal with the pain, they go into denial or they just avoid the subject altogether. After an abortion, depression is likely. You just sink. You just sink. You just sink. What hope is there after I did what I did? Trouble sleeping, the full gamut of emotional distress that often comes with traumatizing events. That's what you're going to experience. That's what they'll experience. These ladies need a safe place to talk about that experience so they can move towards forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. I keep stressing forgiveness, healing, and wholeness because that's the goal. The goal is not satisfying a personal agenda, satisfying a religious agenda, satisfying a political agenda. The goal must be forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. She needs to know that she's not alone. We weren't made to go through these seriously traumatic events by ourselves. None of us. No type of seriously traumatic emotional event. We're not made to go through those by ourselves. We need the love and support of family and friends. As a matter of fact, I told you a few months ago when I first started this broadcast that a part of the purpose of a family was to provide love, support, protection, nurturing, and safety. We have loving support networks to help us get through moments like these. So it's critical to have a support network. And any person left in isolation is easy prey for depression and alcohol and drug abuse, even more sexual promiscuity and other types of destructive behaviors, including suicide.
it all depends on the person and how they process it. So going through something traumatically uh, traumatizing as an abortion, uh, uh, it, you, you, you just run the full gamut of emotional experiences, the full gamut of emotions, including suicide. Keep up with them. Women who have had an abortion need a safe place to establish trusting relationships where they can open up and get on down the road to forgiveness, healing, and wholeness. Let me share a couple other things with you in these last few minutes here. I want to share just a few steps again to help a woman who has had an abortion. Number one, it's important that she tell her story. Tell what happened. Tell what feelings she just talk about the feelings she's dealing with. Talk talk about it doesn't even have to make sense. Just talk about it. Whatever comes to your mind, talk about it. Get it out. Don't keep it bottled up. She needs that safe place to talk about what happened. What thoughts she's been dealing with. Positive thoughts, negative thoughts, constructive thoughts, destructive thoughts. She needs to be safe enough to, to admit, yeah, I did have a thought of suicide. But I didn't go through with it. She needs to be safe. She needs a safe place where she can be honest about her feelings. She, she should be encouraged to even write it down when she's not with you or with a counselor or with whomever. Write those feelings down. Write down those experiences. Again, to get them out, go back and read them later and reflect on them. Write it down. Keep a journal about the feelings. That's the first thing. The second thing, speak your permission for her to go ahead and grieve. Let her know it's okay to grieve, except the fact that that was your baby. You lost your baby. And when you lose a loved one, even though you didn't have an opportunity to establish a relationship, you didn't have an opportunity to nurse him, you didn't have an opportunity to change his diaper, you didn't have an opportunity to name him, even though you didn't have all of those opportunities, you still lost your baby and it's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve. Even have some type of ceremony with her. Just to help her visualize closing this chapter. Help her accept what happened. And put that whole experience where it belongs in her heart. Because it will never leave her heart. The question is how much control will it have over her heart? So let her know it's okay to grieve. No one will be mad at you. Go ahead and grieve. You suffered a loss. The next thing is important. Like we already said, she has to have a support network. Family, friends, a church, a good Bible teaching church. It'd be good to have some strong mothers wrapping her up, nurturing her, nursing her, so to speak. She may be an adult, but there is a form of nursing that she can still benefit from. Join a grief group, a grief support group, some other type of group, but establish a support network and then seek forgiveness. Ask God to forgive. Abortion is a sin. Make no mistake about it. Abortion is a sin, but it's a sin like all other sins. 
and God specializes in forgiving sin. God has no big sin, no little sin. God specializes in forgiving sin. And the key to believing that God will forgive sin is to believe in the atoning death and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus died for us. This is what it means when we say Jesus died for us. He died for all of our sin so that we may have a right relationship with God the Father. So that we can enjoy and commune with God as our Heavenly Father. We can go to Him humbly and ask Him to forgive us. And believe that in our hearts. Alright? So, encourage her to tell her story. What happened? Give her the okay degree. That's your baby you lost. Get in a support network. A group. A church. Get a mother. And seek forgiveness. Ask God to forgive. Ask your family to forgive. Loved ones to forgive. It may be very difficult to forgive yourself. And it's difficult because we have a hard time releasing ourselves of responsibility when we know we're guilty of something. That's a sign of decency. That's a sign of humanity. But more important than forgiving yourself is you've got to believe and you've got to trust God to love you enough to forgive you. Trust God forgiving you more than you believe in forgiving yourself. Again, that's the purpose of the death of Jesus. His suffering and death was payment for all of our sins. I want you to learn one scripture as I close out. I want you to learn, memorize, meditate on Psalm 103 and 8. It says, God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrong. Listen, I'm out of time tonight. We wanted to encourage somebody out there who's going through this event. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to Marriage and Family Clinic, 1350 on your AM dial. Uh, listen to us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. Again, reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. Email me, cdhodges at hotmail.com. Thank you for joining us. We'll be with you again on next week, same time. Until then, remember, you cannot have peace until you surrender your life to the Prince of Peace. God bless you. We're out.